0: And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and today I am joined by the great
1: DJ Bean. DJ, what is up? Hi, pal. How are you? It's great to be on Bruins Beat.
0: It is. It has been a while. Um
1: too it's long. been a long time. It has been I've too been long. Begging dude. you to come on, and you never asked me to come on this podcast, and that rubs me the wrong way, but I'm glad that uh finally you you've asked me.
0: Well, I, it it was a long time coming. What happened was, you know, Connor and I would just do it every week. And then this, this, uh, this winter, I told you back in the fall, I was like, we're doing two a week. One's going to be with someone other than Connor. And so I was like, obviously you'll be in the rotation for it. So, uh, yeah. And you are, uh, doing everything right now with what chaos, the new podcast with, with you and Pete, it's been great. You guys talked to Olmark and Swayman the other day and it's been, uh,
1: it's been enlightening to say the least. Yeah, we've been accused a couple of times of being a Bruins podcast. We're not, just because we have had three Bruins players and one former Bruins player, but whatever. We talk about Oilers most of the time. Today we talked about the Kraken a bunch, and we talked about the Wild and the Canucks. I will say, I'm just like off the Eastern Conference. I'm all Western Conference now. Only games I watch. Love the Western well, Conference. Well, it's exciting. You get the Canucks, who are a fun
0: team. The Knights are still nasty. The Avalanche are great. Like, I feel like you have all these different teams. And it's just, you know, the Ducks are good. When you talk to to, to, to Flank Vetrano, like, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, uh, you know, the Ducks have been outstanding. The and- Pacific
1: really is where it's at. You mentioned the Avalanche for a second. And I was like, ah, we don't really, not that Western Conference. The cool, crazy Western Conference. It's the hip, you know,
0: the Ducks and the and the Kings. Yeah. It's just it's hip, you know. It's the flames things are having happening. So much
1: fun out there. Everything. Oh, good so good much fun. Them. Yeah, like the Sharks are cool. We were at the NHL store the other day in New York, and I almost got a. I almost had them make me a Mackenzie Blackwood jersey. Ooh, would, would have been ridiculous. And you I should didn't.
0: have went with Mario Ferraro.
1: Mm, yeah, there's some good options.
0: Yeah, so many star-studded names with the with the Sharks. Yeah, I mean, obviously with them, like, I mean, they were hot for a minute there. Two straight wins got the. I, to me, the most exciting regular season game of the year has Oil, been shark, that Sharks Oilers game. Like, oh yeah, that was to me that. And what a year for the Woodcroft family, by the way. You got you got uh, Jay who, who has just been uh, fired on you know out in started Edmonton. a winning
1: streak. Started a winning streak. He did. He got them that he first did. win.
0: He did, the start of the new era. Yes. Um, it's funny, though. I feel like, what what you know, now that you're focusing on the entirety of the NHL, like, I remember you always saying to me that you consistently wa- would watch, like, almost every game, or uh, every game what you could, you know? Like, you were always watching hockey, and I feel like this fits you well, kind of just doing everything about everything in the NHL.
1: Yeah, once the, especially when, like, when the Bruins wouldn't make the playoffs, I would get to do... The sit on the couch, grab some beer or whatever your your vice may be. And that's what you're doing for the next. This sounds depressing, borderline morbid. But like that's what you're doing <laughs> for the next couple of months. Just watching, But a lot of people do and, that. It's not. Depressing. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't really drink these days. So it's just like I sit on my couch with Chex Mix instead. And just uh, like, yeah, last night I bet on the ducks to force myself to not watch the Oilers game. Not that I didn't want to watch the Oilers game, but I need to come up with things to make me not only watch the Oilers. So I was like, all right, I'll tap into Avalanche Ducks. Apologies if you're trying to not date the recording of this episode. I'm very specifically <laughs> noting like, oh, when I was at the NHL store this day, that will be clearly that day. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to watch it all. Pete's better at, paying attention at like only watching parts of games, but still seeing the whole thing. I'm kind of learning how to do that, but he has like a hundred TVs and he's been Mm -hmm. doing it forever. That's the other thing. That's like, like, he's like, he invented watching hockey that way. So he doesn't have a problem doing it.
0: I see. I, when I sit down, I want to watch a full game. Like last, like, uh, Wednesday night, I was watching that Oilers Kraken game until I had to go to my men's league hockey game, and I'm like, oh, I wish I could see the ending to this. <laughs> um, but I, I, I had to go, you know, dangle snipe, and Selly on my own. So I mean, whoa, you had to get your Evander Kane on. I, I, don't, I wouldn't go that far, um, <laughs> but I did have to, I did have to suit up and and play a game of my own. Um, but anyways, why don't we dive into some Bruins stuff? Because you still. You're Fine. still very in You're the mix for Bruins. I get right, exactly. We have to it's an obligation with the name of the show that we do have to hit on this. Um 12 1 and 2. Best team in hockey again. Uh <laughs> what have been your first impressions and, and where are you at with the Bruins right now? What's what's DJ's take?
1: I think that we were right about what we said about the Bruins two years ago, but we just said it the wrong year. The like Ah, they'll be a little worse, but they'll still probably be in good shape. We said that about the 2022-23 Bruins, and I think that we meant to say it about this team, because they are a little worse than the best team ever, but they're still really good, and my thing going in, which was a little optimistic perhaps, was they have a big hole on their roster, which is center, and that's a huge hole, and it's not the hole that you want to have on your roster. But it is the only hole on their roster, and there aren't many teams that only have one hole on their roster. There will be, well, they don't really have anything on the wing, and also their goaltending's a question mark. Like the, the, mm-hmm. that's the type of the way you talk about teams, and there was never going to be a question of goaltending. There was maybe some like first world problem questions you could ask on defense, but not really. You could wonder how they would recover from a group at wing that lost a really good player in Taylor Hall, but ultimately it was going to be they don't really have centers. They still don't Mm -hmm. really have, like, great centers. We've just learned that they kind of have actual centers. Zaka has slotted in way way better than I thought he would. None of us were talking about Maddie Poitra, but hell, now we are. That's (laughs) that's correct. (laughs) And... Not only has Charlie Coyle been good in his role, I think, they found him such a good group for him and the way that he plays. I love James Van Riemsdyk, not just because I went to UNH. He's just been <laughs> such a fun career to follow because he's the best player who at times isn't always the best player or doesn't always Ooh, have Oh, that's best a game. great way to put it. That's you a know? great way to put someone like him. I like yeah. that. And I don't know, like maybe he'd be offended by hearing that, but I think that any fans who were ever frustrated with him were like the not mad, disappointed thing of you are so good, and there's no question about it. But whether it's a player of that size, we know that power forwards and Van Riems like is power forwardy at times. Like a wait, like is it like are
0: you talking like a Chris Kunitz type, like that second yeah. which
1: right? Just really good all right. the time. But, like, we know with players of his size, the – whether the, the the mental motor could always be there. And, like, that's what mm-hmm. a player like Milan Lucic was like. Like, the, the want and the desire always there, more so even than other players. But physically, it's hard to make that motor go 82 games a year. And you will have nights where it's almost like, damn, that's such a good player. Why didn't they have any shots on goal or something like that? And – Getting James Van like for one year and a million dollars, heaven for me. Like I don't own any Bruins jerseys. When I would get them back on the day, I would just like give them to friends. I thought about getting a James Van like Bruins jersey because I was so happy that the Bruins had him and on a sweetheart of a deal. I know that he's out, but do have to give credit to Milan Lucic for how he started the season? I think that that helped this team believe that, oh, no, we're not just the guys of yesteryear. And some veteran scrubs. We are a really good team. I think that him starting strong helped with that. Ben Reems, like slotting in the way that he has, has helped that. Trent Frederick, I mentioned that coil line. Great in that role. They've got a real proper checking line, even though it's sometimes deployed as a second line. Are their centers David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron, or even Carl Soderbergh, Chris Kelly? No, but there hasn't been a swing they took, other than maybe Kevin Kirk at points, where you're like, bad swing. And even the, the swings they took were so cheap that could you even call it a swing? That's
0: what I was going to say. They're not really swings. I mean, you even look back to this offseason, and, and there was, you know, obviously a lot of outrage when they didn't uh, re-sign Tyler Bertuzzi. And, which obviously that now has, has looked <laughs> like, you know, oh, Sweeney Masterclass, at I'm it again. He's the GOAT. Um, but... I that freed them up to make value moves. Van Riemsdyk, Uh, You know, again, you mentioned on and off. Shattenkirk. Um, Lucic. Uh, there's ones I'm forgetting. But just small, minor moves. Even throw, like, a Patrick Brown in there. I know a lot of people don't like Patrick Brown. But that's, you know, just a value-depth move. And you look at, like, Van Riemsdyk. To me, that's the most value of all, right? High, you know, fairly high ceiling for a guy of his age at a million dollars for one year. Um so that, again, I think that, and, and, you know, you even mentioned like the centers, right? Like that hasn't even been that much of a hole this year. Hasn't. You know, Patras, Patras stepped in. He's been a little quiet of late, but you do have to expect that with younger players. Charlie Coyle right now, last I checked is like third or fourth on the Bruins in points. Zaka is right around there too. Um, and they play good two-way games. And I said this at the start of the year, DJ, and I, I don't think I said it to you, but I, I, I said it on this show, you know. If you just look at point production, for the last 10 years, Krejci has given you anywhere from 45 to like 60, 65 points. Bergeron's been, you know, 10 more, so 55 to 75-ish. And I kept saying like, with who's around Zaka, if you're going to staple Pasternak to Zaka, and if you're going to put Coil, you know, with whomever you put him with, is it crazy to think that the two in the aggregate sort of make up for that? And so far, they're on pace to do that. And, again, I look at what those two have given you and the guys that are around them. And, by the way, they're also 12-1-2 with a very, you know, a a struggling Jake DeBrusque, which I also think is a very uh, interesting development. Because that's been kind of, again, of all the surprises, I know Connor and Ty did a whole show on Bruins surprises so far this year. I think the biggest surprise is not their start, but I think it's Jake DeBrusque's slow start. Because I know, right, inconsistent in the past. I get it. He's had his struggles here. But I really thought going into a contract year with everything that, you know, kind of the momentum that he'd been building, I thought, oh, easy pencil Jake DeBruskin for 30 goals this year. And he could still do it, right? One goal in in, in the first, you know, 15 games. He's streaky. I think he could do it. But so far, I just, that's been my big, one of my biggest surprises is, wow, you're doing all of this and a key cog like Jake DeBrusk, uh, again, great in his own zone, you know, uh, plays a you know, good enough game around the point production to make it worth it. But I'm surprised that he's you know, sort of
1: struggled out of the gate a bit. DeBrusque not his best season. Lindholm, not his best season. McAvoy yep. suspended. They've endured. And that's where I'll it's at the beginning of season two, like there were going to be games more so this year than last year, where you say thank God I have that guy about the goaltender. And when yes. you're winning games four to one, no one says, thank God I have that guy. When you're winning a game two to nothing, you are. And I'll put it this way, a better way. like People speak more or people paid more attention to the goalie. If it's a two, nothing shutout versus a six, nothing shutout. And the Bruins were having easier games last year because they just didn't have a single question on their roster so there weren't too many times even though you had the Vesna winner that you were like man where would they have been without Lena Solmark I don't know probably still the president's trophy winner with Jeremy yeah. Swayman uh this maybe is not where, best team maybe not best right, team ever but yeah right president's trophy for probably sure. still like the best team in the league and they come back with again more questions in front of them But that's fine if you have two great goaltenders. And Swayman has been awesome. And I I feel like Swayman starting so strong has made people think that Olmark hasn't started strong. There's still been games where I'm like, Olmark was unbelievable. Oh, even in the Buffalo
0: game on Tuesday
1: night. I mean, they were in the third period. Yeah, playing the puck. Yeah, I I (laughs) thought he was going to
0: score. I want to get into the goaltending more in depth. But first, DJ, quick word. Quick word from our sponsor score early this nfl season with fanduel america's number one sports book right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins if you've been thinking about joining fanduel there's no better time to get in on the action the app is so easy to use There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So, visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. Again, FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. In mass, 21 plus and present in mass, hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 $10 first deposit required bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com, gamblinghelplinema.org, or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start, gamesensema.com, or call one 800 JM 1234 Now, back to the show. So, you know, we were kind of discussing goaltending there and you were getting into it. And I think the real big difference from, you know, last year to this year, why are the Bruins still the best team in hockey as opposed to, you know, why they were also the best team in hockey, arguably ever last season, obviously up until the playoffs, is goaltending. How many games, and this is why I, you know, we discussed this a lot last week when, you know, the trade rumors were flying. You knew once Edmonton started to struggle. Uh, or if they ever did, you knew the Omar trade rumors would kick into high gear. But, I, you know, I I couldn't understand why you'd want to trade these two. I think anyone who's watched the Bruins this year, watched games consistently, would know that a lot of these games, you're winning, but you're winning because the goaltending. And Montgomery's even said that. Like, you are winning because Swayman is stopping every high danger chance thrown at him and he's playing the best hockey he has ever played uh, Omar has also been stopping most high danger chances and has looked, you know, has not, you know, skipped a beat or, or missed a beat from last year. So that's why I, I, you know, I get the idea of hey, you want to discuss trading a goalie in the off for a draft pick or something? Sure, we can entertain it. But right now, what a blow that would be to this whole operation.
1: No, you can't. If if you're so strong in one area. Better than anybody else. Sorry, Islanders. This ain't the Islanders beat podcast. (laughs) Uh, You don't go from we're the best at this thing to now we're fine kind of across the board. I don't like that idea. (laughs) I like like there being an answer to why will the Bruins insert whatever? Why will the Bruins win their division? Why will the Bruins be a good uh, Stanley Cup contender? The answer is because of their goaltending. And if you take one of those guys away, you say, well, Brad Marchand is a great leader, all these things, which are all fine, but you already have those things in addition to the best goaltending in the league. So I would keep that going.
0: Yeah, that's why I, I, you know, why would you want to be like everybody else? Why would you want to go out if it was a hypothetical Omar for Nugent Hopkins or, you know, middle tier potential number one center? What is that going to do for you? What do you, You're going to score a little bit more, but come the playoffs? And the other thing is, I want to see them alternate goalies in the playoffs. I want to see them do it. I know it's unconventional, but this is an unconventional tandem, and you're not going to have a lot, you might not have a lot longer with this. So to me, I know it's it's November, it's a long way to the playoffs, but this team looks on track to be a, you know, a legit playoff team again. I want to see them alternate goalies. Where are you on this?
1: They're going to. I think they're going to. I think that some lesson had to have been learned from whether it's Montgomery, Sweeney, Neely. Somebody had to have settled on, you know what? I know that back in the day, like rotating Ron Hextall and Garth Snow didn't result in a Stanley Cup. But back in the day, a lot of things were different. And... We're in a new world, and power plays look different. All these, like, there's so many changes that have been made to the game over the year. Why would you not, if both players are great, use a fresh, still engaged, locked-in goaltender? And the argument against it, we talked about this on What Chaos, is so disingenuous when you say, Oh, okay, well, so if a guy wins game six, has a shout-out in game six, you're not going to start him in game seven? Because... It's the other goalie's turn. That's not what rotating goalies is like, even in the regular season.
0: Exactly. Right. You're, you're, I making, get. A, you're
1: making up how a goalie rotation works, which is it's not a 50 50 split. You ride the hot hand. And if a goalie isn't letting up any goals, if a guy has a Tuka Rask 2013 Eastern Conference final, yeah, I think he's probably starting game one of the Stanley Cup final. But if they're both playing well, you give them both games. It's not that it's not that hard. And I don't know, like people are like offended by it as though it's like this horrible thing that would be done to hockey. Crazy to me. It's
0: it's moving ahead. It's it's the game changing and you know, it's so interesting like you see on I, I was listening to your interview with uh, Swayman and Olmark which was great by the way on on what chaos today. The and they were they rock. And and you know, it's so funny because you know that a lot of uh the hockey traditionalists who listened mm-hmm. to that were just punching the wall. Like, oh, two goalies who like each other. This is th- this is so stupid. This this can't happen. This isn't this isn't the hockey that I know. And it's like, to me, I go back to like, what's wrong with that? You have two legit starters. You have two good guys who want to play together and make each other better. And so far, it's it's worked. I know the playoffs didn't work last year. But, again, that, that you can put that on you know, Bruins' management. Olmark was fine through the first four games of that series. So, again, I, I I have no problem with them liking each other. I have no problem with the hug after the game. That's the other thing. Like, if you want to make the regular season more bearable and hug after a win, go for it. Do it. Like, what, what's wrong with that? I know I sound like such a homer, but, like, no, I don't see I also, the issue in
1: that. This didn't make the interview, uh, but there's something to, if you lose to a team... And it was a close game, and you did your hardest, and you really thought you gave them your your best punch. You gave, you gave it your all. And then you're, and you're like, you know what? They're not going to want to see us again. And you look across the ice, and can you swear on this? Yes, this is always and, a swearing podcast. And those motherfuckers are hugging each other as if to be like, this is a, about us. It's a wee thing, as they say. Like They are on cloud nine, not sweating what you just gave them at all. I think the hugging is an intimidation maneuver as well. Ooh, what I don't think that's why that? they do it. I don't think that's why they do it. But I th- I think that if you're playing a team that beats you narrowly and you like to think you're on their level and you look over and they're just like hugging each other, not even thinking about like, oh, how, how hard was that or whatever? They're like, yeah, job well done. Give me a hug, buddy. Bank it. Let's, let's head out. On to the next one. Did, what did they say to that? Uh, so I phrased it a little confusing. I think that they thought I was talking about them hugging when they lost, which so they were just like, uh, I, I don't think there was like much of a reaction. I changed oh. the subject after this was oh. outside of the interview anyway, though, which shows how nice those boys are for spitballing, too.
0: Well, that's good. Yeah. Um, the other thing is it, when it comes time for the postseason. And again, I'm sure you'll be on here more throughout the year and we can dive into this closer to the postseason. But I look at, you know, you're splitting guys all year, you're doing the tandem, okay, so you get 40-something games, and then suddenly you've got to do potentially upwards of 28 games in two months, that's where I go, that's why you need to continue the tandem, because you know, Olmark showed last year and even the year before, you play him too many times in a row, he can run out of gas. Swayman could be the same thing. Like, that's the other reason why I think doing the tandem in the playoffs works too. You're just continuing what you were doing before. Um, so again, I, I, I am all for uh, rolling with the tandem. I was for that, by
1: the way, go, like going into the postseason, I thought they should have rotated the goalies. And obviously, I think it was... that became a, a, a loud refrain as the series went on, and especially after Game 5. Like... If you're doing something so well, I feel like there's no second guess like there's more second guessing that was allowed by not by changing what you were doing than by being like, okay, well now we do this because it's the play it would be silly to keep doing the regular season thing. Like I don't know. Some of those other teams seem like they were trying pretty hard in the regular season and you were smoking them. That's again, I think, you know. That's where the traditionalists
0: set in of, oh, got to go with one. And as you Mm -hmm. said, uh, you know, it got the tenor on that got really loud. Uh, Was it before? I think it was before game five. Or no, it was after game five because Omar gave the puck up um, in overtime. Uh, So goaltending has been outstanding. And again, the other thing is having two guys like that, one starts to slump, you can throw the other in um, and kind of let him take the bulk for a little bit and let him carry the ball. And so... Uh, again, I think that's why, you know, I had the Bruins, like, third in the Atlantic before the season started. And that's not looking so hot right now because they're so good. And the rest of the Atlantic is sort of meh. Yeah. Meh. Very meh. Which I said before the year. I said this. I didn't expect the teams to be meh that are meh. But... Like the,
1: what? Lightning? Who are you talking about?
0: Well. Lightning, the Leafs? Le- the, the Leafs and Lightning. I think I thought the Leafs or I thought the Lightning would, uh, you know, Tread water for a bit without Vasilevsky, and then he'd come back mid-season, um, and they would kind of, you know, cruise to the second spot. I thought the Leafs would just kind of score outscore everybody and, and be in first, um, but that hasn't been the case. Obviously, it's been far from it. So, yeah. What about
1: What do you think of the Atlantic going into the year? But Buffalo doesn't surprise me at all. But Buffalo, I say lovingly was for sure the most overrated team this offseason because they're such an exciting team with such a good group of players that I think we wanted this to be the year where they took that step forward. But this is another thing we talked about on the podcast recently. Like, If they don't take that step forward this year, they'll just take it next year. They're not about to lose so many... Like, the only thing that's really changing is some veteran money comes off the books and goes to their young star defenseman, which is fine. They can afford it. They can take that hit. And next year, their young stars will be a year more experienced and they'll, they'll be better. I'm not sweating that. And it does stink. The Tage Thompson's hurt, but like, I'm not sweating that they didn't take that leap this year. So they're never going to do it. And who knows? Maybe they still end up making some sort of run. Detroit surprises me for sure. It should surprise everybody. They took the step. Uh, like they took the step in the West. Anaheim took the step. Vancouver kind of unlocked a lot of the things that they had going on. So they finally got going, but they always had talent on Vancouver, always had talent on that roster. Right. It was just like, uh, uh, you know, those little things that uh, those they, they came in like capsules and you'd, you'd pour water on them. They'd like expand and turn into dinosaurs. <laughs> yes. Like they were always like, we, we knew what those things were. They just didn't turn into dinosaurs yet. And, somehow, and, since, and they said in Step Brothers, you need to find your dinosaur. And they, exactly, they did. That. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Canadians didn't have high hopes for senators. Uh, I'm loving this. Michael and Lauer guy, their owner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like my first star of the season so far. That guy is freaking hilarious. He's shooting from the hip. Yeah. Just might take a pick from me. I wasn't there for that. <laughs> Get out of here, folks. And the Panthers are kind of riding the momentum off what they did uh, last year. Biggest surprise, I guess, would be that uh, no, no, I, I thought the, the Leafs would be a little more. Like I didn't think that we were going to have to do galvanizing talk as early in the season <laughs> as we have. And I've used the word galvanized like a hundred times for them
0: well it's it's the only word that uh can be used for
1: them um, like if they yeah, like, score a goal it's like all right fine this is it they're clicking all right they're good now yeah this was a galvanizing goal and then they go and they, they lose the next game
0: they found themselves they, they've they've turned into that dinosaur who gets past the gets past the yeah. second round
1: now i'm alex
0: rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here is in conversation with business icons Um, I want to touch on uh, sort of the, the younger guys on this team and how they've performed in your eyes. Obviously, Beecher stepped up in the fourth line center role and has stuck there. Patra uh, now playing with Heinen and DeBrusque the past couple games. You know, he's been, you know, I mean, you could honestly make a case right now that they have two second lines, feels like. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the way that they're rolling. Um, and then obviously, you have Lorai coming in on the back end the past couple games, the past six games. Uh, what have you thought? Of the younger guys on this team and, and and how they've sort
1: of added to the the interest level in this Bruins team. Well, I know every, everyone is a pothead and it's hard not to be. It's, it's true that they have a good young center. I'm also a Beach Boy though. Ooh. I don't hold I never held it against Johnny Beecher that Don Sweeney seemingly went on uh like N NHL draft sorted by height. <laughs> Uh, checked that they were American and then drafted Johnny Beecher.
0: Check check the speed level like an NHL 24.
1: You know, what's right. the speed? 95. Oh, he's ours. Is he tall? Is he American? Is he? Stop asking questions. They said he's tall and he's American. We're taking him. Uh, Johnny Beecher's American, right? He went to Michigan. He is? Gotta be. He's yeah. from New York. Oh, yeah, and he's he played, from New York. Yeah, right. And he played, he played in, at Salisbury. Yes, 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 yes. As I was saying that, I was like, I know for sure he's tall. I hope that I'm not, uh, accidentally ascribing nationalities to him that are uh, incorrect. But no, he is. Uh, he is American. So I've I've rooted for him because I think that there was a lot of thought that maybe he'd be an AHL guy. And it's not, like with Frederick. Th- his pick turned some heads when they used a first-round pick on him. But I love Trent Frederick as a player. Uh, I, I think that he's hilarious, too, if you ever watch any of his mic'd up stuff. But yeah, I like Beecher in his role. He's not going to be a top six guy, but whatever he did score a nice goal. Uh, I like, I don't know if this counts as a young guy conversation, but Lauko is Ooh. the greatest. He's hilarious, but also a good, good bottom six player. Lowry, I kind of hear both sides of the argument of like, you know, maybe he's going to need some real seasoning at some point, but still, even that you can call up a defenseman with size and speed, who shows it right away? They've they for sure got something there. That's the big thing. Like
0: we've touched on Patra and Beecher a lot on this, so I won't go too in depth on them. But with Lowry, it's interesting because, like, I think you know the the size, the puck moving abilities, the offensive abilities are impressive as hell. And I think he a hundred percent is going to be a steady NHL defenseman at the very least uh, in his career. But you know, you look at the, through six games. The analytics, right? These, you know, the advanced analytics of uh kind of show and, and this is supported by the eye test, he's having a tougher time in the defensive zone. And I think that's where, you know, you mentioned like the seasoning, they're going to have a decision when Grizzly comes back. And I think, you know, a lot of people want to immediately ship Grizzly out of town, you know, oh, Lowry, come on in, you know, Grizzly can go. To me, A, you want depth on the back end come the playoffs. I, I just think that's a big thing. And again, I've said this on the podcast before. If someone comes along and offers you a second round pick for Grizzlick, sure, right? You want to get value for him. But you don't want to just dump him to dump him. That's one. But two, I mean, you know, you just look at, I I think Lowry right now in his six games is either number one or like top five in offensive zone faceoff starts and offensive zone shift starts. And he's constantly outchanced <laughs> and the analytic, you know, the, the expected goals, all that. I know it's not interesting for a podcast. He's among the worst on the team and stuff like that. And again, it's not everything, but it does show a sign. Six games is a solid sample of, you know, and I think this is what the Bruins are going to have to face. Does he need more time in Providence working on the defensive game? Right. And I think that's their big thing. They're going to have to face. Um, I know a lot of people are immediately like, lowry has got to be here, lowry has got to be here. And I, I want Lowry up here too. I think he's awesome. But I do wonder, and I think come the playoffs, let's say they, d- they did trade like and let's say Lowry did stick in the top six. You know, I know he's a first year player, but are you, is it suddenly a worry that, Hey, you're going to be deep in a series against, you know, a, a hard grinding team and you're going to have to, you know, shorten the bench every time in the third I don't know. So I I think to me, like, that's where I do entertain the idea of, hey, if he went back down to Providence, it might not be the worst thing for him.
1: If there's a hockey trade you can make with Grizzly and you think that you're like a real, real, real contender and there is a piece that you need offensively and you could trade him for that, have a team retain and you can get a star player and it's a deal involving I I don't know how plausible that is, but if there's a hockey trade to be made there, then sure you can talk yourself into taking the risk on the back end and say yes Well, just hope is, like gonna get you a star getting... i think that that's pretty unlikely and i think you think that's pretty unlikely so yes. th- that's the scenario under which i say yeah fine just trade grizzly and count on the kid it's a big risk when you do that i don't think that's the course that don sweeney would take i think that he likes to make sure He's got his bases covered, and the way that you do that is keep that depth on the back end. To me, that's sort of the answer.
0: And the other thing is, like, they need to, at some point, get draft picks. They have to. They're, this team needs picks, I think, in the future. Oh, yeah. And, you know, again, you don't have a lot of pieces on this roster that are going to net picks. Jake DeBrusk certainly would. Uh, Matt Grizzlick might. But... I don't know that they're going to be adding a lot at this deadline. I know I said, I think I said the same thing last year. Um, But then they were so freaking good and it was clearly Bergeron's, you know, potentially Bergeron's last year that it was obvious that you had to make moves. Um, Now, you know, I, I feel this way this year of if they did nothing at the deadline and just let it ride and not give up more future assets, you know, not giving up a guy like Lysel and potentially selling low on him and all these different things... I'm fine with that. Like, you've got your team, you've got your goalies, you've got a strong defense, you have a little bit of depth uh, up front, you know, you're good enough, go for it. But don't give up, you know, future assets. Um, So, you know, if Grizzly can get you, you know, if Grizzly could get you a top six winger, maybe you do it. But I I agree with you. I think you have to have the bases covered and you have to have depth because I don't know how much they're really going to be able to do uh, at the deadline this year.
1: Yeah, I'd be surprised if they went further into it would have to be next year's draft picks because they, they've really been kind of cleaning themselves out this year and last year, which, as you said, probably not what they imagined they'd be doing. But you were in a situation where you had to do it. You knew that you were going to be paying the Piper this year anyway with those uh, the Bergeron and Crecci contracts. I'm, gl- I'm glad they brought Bergeron and Crecci back. But I remember the conversation at the time. People were like, man you got Bergeron to come back for a million and a half or whatever. And I was like, did, were you guys not there for like a minute ago with the Jerome McGinley thing? Like this is a, they're not giving him a million or a million and a half, whatever it is. Like they're giving him real money, which is what he should cost. But like, please don't act like this isn't a big risk. And they took that risk. It, I think clearly with the season they had, it was a risk worth taking, but this is the year where they have to pay for it. And if they keep kicking the can down the road, then once the time comes when they finally do drop off a little bit, maybe a little more than a little bit, you don't want to have no draft picks and you don't want to be screwed salary cap wise. So I think that you are right in that this year, unless you find some hockey trade, you are not doing things that are going to burn you down the road. And I think, that, I think I think I think the players on this team probably understand that. Do you trade Jake DeBrusk? Yeah. He, I love Jake DeBrusque, but he's not untouchable. If you're getting so, if you're getting something that, I don't know, like if there's another, if there's a Jake DeBrusque version of the Pavel Zaka trade, something like that, where you could t- trade somebody that might not be around too much longer, turn him into something that you could see if he can last a while. Yeah, something like that.
0: I love that. I would rather deal him for a first round pick. And I know you still want to contend this year. And and by the way, I don't know, you know, if he continues to go on this sort of slump, I don't know if that gets you a first round pick. So that's like another thing to consider. But to me, like, I want picks. Mm. I want to stock up for the future a bit. And I know that that doesn't help this year. Um, It's, you know, it doesn't push, it doesn't move the needle. He would be missed on the penalty kill too. Like he, like that's another element of like, he's not, yep. it's not just the production element you're missing. He's a fairly good defensive forward now. So, um, and I, and I love his compete and I like the way he plays. It just, sometimes the production isn't there. And again, if you can turn him into a first or, you know, some, some guy, you know, some, something like that, I'd be okay with that. I would. Um, and I know it would hurt them this year, but I think you're right. Like at some point, and you're seeing now, the younger players are stepping in. Patra is a godsend, right? <laughs> Lowry is clearly going to be someone, uh, something at the NHL level. So you're going to have a top four within the next, you know, 24 months full-time of Lowry, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo. That's a great top four. Um, and up front, you know, you also have Beecher stepping in in a fourth-line role. But you do have to keep those younger guys... You, know, you do have to keep prospects coming through. I don't know who's in the prospect pool right now, um, aside from like Lysel that would come up and make an impact. So I think if De- if you can get a legit thing like that for DeBrusque, it's hard not to take that. Uh, but I also agree if you can do a zaka like trade there, then that's great. What's the cap? Would you- what's the cap you would
1: sign him at per year? Oh, DeBrusque. Uh, what is it? is he at? four and a half now
0: i can check I right, because i don't have it off the top i don't want to mess let it me up. see I, I like to me so he signed a two-year eight million dollars with the Broncos on March 2022 so he's four million right now
1: uh i mean he's probably going to get five and a quarter something like that like i mean depending I on thought, term would be like,
0: my ballpark I th- Over the offseason, I think Connor and I both were like, we had a episode where we talked about that in depth. And we b- I think we both said like five and a half, six potentially coming off yeah, last maybe. year. Like right. there's a, a team up? could give him a, I think a team could, like if he hits free agency, I think a team would give him a lot. Because that's a potential 30 goal guy, like plays hard. Like all those things can play in his own zone too. Like I, I wonder there, like what Flames, the market would be like some- for him
1: like Western Conference team, Western Canada, Western Canada, people willing to play for their team, which kind of seems like the flame situation right now. I don't know. Like, if they're able to figure out something with some of the guys on their roster who don't want to be there, maybe. But, I don't know. I can't forecast that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, but, I mean, he... Yeah, maybe he does get, like, five and a half. And I don't think the Bruins would be in the position to... To pay that.
0: Yeah, I mean, the cap will pro- will go up and hopefully will go up in future years, too. So, hope, you know, if they did pay that, it would look maybe cheaper over time. But even then, I think there are other areas of your roster that you want to focus on.
1: You got to give JBR know? a big extension. So, oh. you got to remember, his cap number is going to go up to like 11.
0: Give him the max. I say, I mean, make right. him the highest paid player in the league, I think. That's um, it. But anyways, DJ, this has been fun. It's been great to rekindle you being on Bruins beat and talking bees and I, you Where must I'd enjoy like it. Cause I was gonna say, cause like, you know, not just cause of me being here, but also just, you know, on what cast, I know you love talking about national stuff, but Bruins is your bread and butter. So it's, I think it's nice for you to dive it's, into Bruins. Yeah.
1: Stuff. It's something, I don't, it's very nice of you to suggest I have a bread and butter. <laughs> uh, so I I'll, I'll take that. We do talk Bruins quite a bit, maybe even more than we should, but it's it's a fun time. I know, I
0: know. Uh, aside from what chaos, is there anything else you'd like to plug? Anything else you got going on that people should uh, keep an eye out
1: for? I mean, I've been, I haven't been I have even been sleeping. What chaos has taken up so much of our energy as we get it going. Eventually, it's going to hit cruising altitude, and we're going to level out, and we'll be able to live normal lives. But just getting this all going has taken up uh, a ton of energy. If you want to follow my personal YouTube page, I suppose you could do that. It's where I uh, toss some of my non-hockey Things, But, uh, yeah, I'd say that mainly my I, the thing that I would plug is for the, the listeners and viewers to uh, have a, a lovely day. Well, I like that, too.
0: I agree with my you on, uh, on that. So, DJ, it's been a pleasure. As always, you'll be on again uh, throughout Appreciate the Kevin. year, of course. And, uh, yeah, that's Brewers Beat. I'm Evan Maronofsky. You Brewers Beat listeners have a great rest of your week. <laughs>